you have your Bibles, turn to uh, Luke chapter 2. We're going to talk for just a, a, a few minutes today on red letter living. Now, hopefully you received a little notebook when you came in this morning or last week. We're not going to be having printed notes um, this year, so we have little notebooks that we have uh, made for you, red letter living, and you can fill in the blank, or you can make your own blanks, and you can follow along, and you can uh, take notes with the red letter living notebook. Thank you, Lisa. And we're going to go to Luke chapter 2. We're going to have notes on the, on the big screen. And we want to thank Jared today for painting our scripture. And don't misspell business, Jared. We're in Luke chapter, Luke chapter 2. The very first recorded words of Jesus Christ are found in Luke chapter 2. And they were questions because I have found that God communicates with questions. He doesn't ask you and I questions because he doesn't know the answer. He asks us questions because he wants us to know the answer. The very first recording of God speaking to Adam and Eve was a question. Adam and Eve had sinned. They were naked. They were ashamed. They were hiding in the bushes. And God showed up for his three o'clock walk with them, and they weren't there. And God asked a question Adam and Eve, where are you? God knew where they were. They were in the bushes, they were naked, they were running, they were hiding, they were filled with shame. But God asked the question not because he didn't know the answer. He asked the question because he wanted them to know the answer. And so God has a way of communicating with us, even today, with questions. So I think it's interesting that Jesus, his first recorded words were like his father, like father, like son. And he asked a question. His family had gone up to Jerusalem for the Passover. In those days, Jerusalem was, was only about 14 acres big. 80,000 people was the population. But during Passover, there's two and a half million people. And after Passover, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph and the family leave to discover that they had left Jesus behind. They lost Jesus. How do you lose Jesus? I can see the shepherds and the wise men and the angels saying, don't you, don't you know what we have been through with the Christmas story and, and, and 11 years later you lose the guy? And he was missing for three days. I don't think that's an accident. Three is a very significant number. And he was gone for three days. Can you man manage the, 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 the panic, the fear, the absolute horror that Mary and Joseph, they were entrusted to, to be part of the beautiful story of redemption. Mary favored among all women 
She loses Jesus. And after dialing 911 and getting the police and the sheriff involved, they finally show up at the temple. And Jesus, at 12 years old, was in the temple. And you know what he was doing in the temple? Look it up. He was asking questions. His parents watching, observing this, perplexed. And the first question that he spoke to them is, why are you searching for me? I love that. That question is as relevant today as ever. And my question to you today is, why are you searching for him? Are you searching for him just to get out of hell and escape the punishment of being away from Christ for eternity? Are, are you searching him because of what he can do for you? Are you searching him because you find that your body's breaking down and you're faced with sickness and you need a healer? Why are you searching for him? We talked about that last week. That was our very first message in this long year series on Red Letter Living. Why are you searching for him? I'm hoping that you come up to the same conclusion that I come up with. It may look a little bit differently. It may sound a little differently. But I hope you're searching for Christ because you realize that life is hard. People are mean. Life is not fair. You can't navigate through this thing called life on your own. I don't care how many letters you have behind your name. I don't care how many zeros you have in your bank account. You can't make it through this thing called life in your own ability, your own instinct, your own intelligence, in your own skill. It's impossible. So I don't know about you, but I'm searching for Christ because I need him. I can't do it without him. I'm lost. I'm helpless. I'm hopeless. I'm searching for Christ because I need somebody to navigate and to guide me through life. Folks know I like fishing, and I found that the best times of my fishing is when I humble myself and I hire a guide. And I do that so I can blame him if we don't catch fish. But, but, but I found that I catch way more fish when I go with somebody who knows what they're doing. They've been there. I don't know about you, but I'm searching for God today because he's been there. He knows the way. He knows what I'm dealing with, and he can help me. That's why I'm searching for him. So he asked his first words in Luke chapter 2. Why are you searching for me? And then... Today, we're looking at the second question that he asked, and he told his mom and dad, don't you realize I'm about my father's business? Don't you realize that, 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 that I'm here for a reason? Don't you realize that, 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 that there's a reason for my existence, and I'm here to fulfill the call of God on my life? Now, I have found that these two questions, they relate. Because you show me somebody, watch this, who is passionately searching for Christ, and I'll show you somebody who has an understanding of why they are here and what they are here on earth for and what they are doing. 
Your passion for serving, uh, seeking Christ is tied in with the reason you are here. What on earth are you here for? And Jesus answered that in Luke chapter 2. He says, don't you know I'm here to do my father's business. And you show me a person who seeks God and searches for him, and I'll show you somebody who has a real good handle on why, they're, why they were created and what they are here for. So today we're going to talk about purpose-driven living. How to live a life of purpose. How to live a life, and Jared did a great job. He didn't misspell business. Don't you know that I must be about my father's business? What are you here for? Why were you created? What is your business? What is your purpose? Hopefully through Jesus Christ we can find that we have all been beautifully and wonderfully created for a purpose. And this question that Jesus asked is a question that, that, that many people you and I go to work with every day. They don't have a clue. They don't know why they're here. They're here just to go to college, get a degree, make money, get a house, have kids, have a career, retire. That's it. It's not a really good reason for living, is it? And yet a lot of people do that. Don't you know that I'm here for my father's business? Purpose-driven living. If you're with me this morning, let me hear a big amen. Well, what is purpose? Purpose is, is very simply defined, the reason you exist. Robert Bryan says this, the purpose of life is a life of purpose. I like that. There's got to be a reason you exist. There's got to be a purpose for your living. And I want to just challenge you here today. What's your purpose? Why are you here? What on earth are you here for? What is the reason you exist? Purpose-driven living, then, is, is living a life that honors God by using the talents he's given you to make the world better. How many know we live in a dark world? How many know we live in, a, in an evil world? How many know there's a lot going on in this world that, that, that we don't like and God doesn't like? Guess what? I believe you were created to make the world brighter, to make the world better. You were created to live in the, in the purposes of God, being about his business to make this world brighter and better for God's glory. And that is purpose-driven living. So I'm going to give you six ways that you can live a purpose-driven life. If you're with me, let me hear an amen. All right, number one, the first way you do that is you connect with the God of purpose to discover your purpose. You connect with the God of purpose to discover your purpose. You know the scripture, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a bright hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You can't discover your purpose without discovering the God of purpose. You and I need to connect with God and he knows the plans he has for us, and he will help us to discover our reason for living, our existence. I love what Rick Warren says. Without God, life has no purpose. Without purpose, 
life has no meaning. Without meaning, life has no hope. I like that. God is the God of purpose, and he will connect you to your purpose if you connect with him. If you're here today and you're lost, if you're here today and you're unfulfilled, if you're here today and you don't know what your purpose is, connect with God, and when you connect with God, he will connect you to your purpose. Can I get an amen? Number two, connect your passion to your purpose. Now, if we had a few minutes and we sat down over Starbucks or my preferred coffee is Dunkin' Donuts. I don't like paying $7 for a cup of coffee when I can buy it for, for a dollar. And if I meet you at Dunkin' Donuts, I'm probably going to make my own coffee at home and then meet you at Dunkin' Donuts and let you pay for your coffee. I would ask you, what is your passion? What drives you? What gets you up in the morning? What is the thing that burns in your heart and most likely, when you discover your passion, you'll discover your purpose. Connect with your passion to connect to your purpose. I love this scripture in John, uh, 1 John 3, 8. For this purpose, the Son of Man was manifest that he might destroy the works of the enemy. Look at that word up there, purpose. Even at 12 years old, Jesus understood why he was created. You know, there's a lot of men, 50, 60 years old, a lot of women that don't fully understand why they were created. Jesus woke up every morning, watch this, and he was purpose-driven because he knew why God had created him. If you look in the Gospels, every person Jesus comes in contact with, he was fulfilling his purpose statement. I'm going to destroy the works of the enemy. So when the woman with the issue of blood touched him, he said, who touched me? There's a question. Who touched me? And his purpose was to make her well. When he went to the man who was crippled in John chapter 5 at the well of Bethesda, his goal was clear. I'm driven. My passion is to help people and destroy the works of the enemy. Do you want to get well? There's another question. And he helped that man get well. Jesus woke up every morning understanding his purpose. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works of the enemy. Jesus lived a purpose-driven life. Purpose is the reason for your journey. Passion is the fire that lights the way. I'm going to say that again. Purpose is the reason for your journey, and passion is the fire that lights the way. What lights your way today? What causes you to want to wake up in the morning? What is the fire that's in you? If you'll connect to that, that will help you discover your purpose. Can I get an amen? I like what Bishop T.D. Jake says. If you can't figure out your purpose, figure out your passion. For your passion will lead you right into your purpose. Connect your passion to your purpose. Number three, you want to live a purpose-driven life? You want to be about your father's business? 
Connect with the God-given talents within you. Now, put your pen and paper down just for a moment, and I want you to do something. I want you to place your hand right on your heart just for a second. I'm not going to keep talking until I see everyone with their hand on their heart. I'm just kidding. Those of you online, put your hand on your heart. There's a gift in you. There's a talent in you. There is something that only you possess, and it's in you. And people that live the purpose-driven life discover this gift, and they let it out to the world. It says in Colossians chapter 1, Christ in you, the hope of glory. There's greatness in you. Not because of you. There's greatness in you because of Christ. There is destiny in you because of Christ. There is gifts and talents and abilities that only you possess and they're in you. And purpose-driven living is releasing the God-given talents in you and releasing them to the world. Why are you hanging on to that beautiful gift and not sharing it with the world? Hide it under a bushel? No. I'm going to let it shine. I'm going to let it shine. Don't let Satan blow it out? No. I'm going to let it shine. 2024, Belle Isle Community Church, I want to see you begin to shine, and you shine best when you release the gift of God that is in you to the world. That's purpose-driven living. That's living like Jesus. Don't you know I'm here to do my Father's business? And it's in you. And the enemy would love just to keep it in you. And God says to us today through a prophetic voice, let it out. Share it with the world. The world is dark. The world is hopeless. For this reason you exist to allow the gift of God in you to be released to the world for the glory of God. Do you believe that today? Connect with the gifts that are in you. First Peter chapter 4, it's up on the screen, verse 10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. You know what I want you to do today? When you get home, because some of you have got a gift and you've placed it on the fireplace mantle. And you put a light over it. And you sit in your chair, your rocking chair, you and your wife. And you dim the lights. And that gift is up on the fireplace mantle. And it looks beautiful and it looks cute. The only problem is you're the only person that sees it. You know what I want you to do today? I want you to go home. And I want you to take that gift off the fireplace mantle, and I want you to release it to the world. 
And when you do that by faith, you will come into a new understanding, a new revelation that God has given you a beautiful gift and talent that's to be released to the world. That is purpose-driven living, releasing your gift for the glory of God. Your talent is God's gift to you. What you do with it is your gift back to God. Let's release our gift. Can I get an amen? Number four, I love this one. Connect with trusted friends to develop your purpose. Connect with trusted friends. Now, now, now let me just stop here just for a moment. I'm not talking about your, your 480 friends on Facebook. Trusted friends. There's only going to be a few of them. Less than five. People that you can confide in. People that you can talk to. People that will, as iron sharpens iron, will develop you. And as you surround yourself with trusted people, those people will help you to discover and live in the purposes of God for your life. You can't share it on LinkedIn. You can't share it on Facebook. It's not going to happen on X. It's going to happen when you get with a couple people and you connect with trusted friends and they will help you to develop and to fine-tune your God-given purposes. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 5 says this. The purposes of a man's heart are deep waters. Everyone say deep waters. That means it's complex. It's deep. Purposes of a man's heart are deep waters, but the one who has insight draws them out. I love that. I talked to someone this week, a, a leader that I see abilities in. And as we were talking, she was sharing that she's been, been challenged to develop the gifts of God in her life. And I got charged talking to her. Why? Because I love taking people that have the purposes of God like deep waters, and I love pulling it out of them to see them become all that God wants them to be. And I started to get excited because here this, this person was, they were sharing that they had this deep desire for leadership, and I was so motivated to get with them and to, and to like iron sharpens iron, get with them and challenge them and talk with them and develop them so they can become all that God wants them to be. If you're going to live a purpose-driven life, you've got to have people around you that are going to speak into your life and help you to cultivate that gift that God has given you. Surround yourself with people who celebrate you and not just tolerate you. I'm going to say that again. Surround yourself with people who will celebrate you and not just tolerate you. Those are the kind of people that will help you to develop and become the person that God wants you to be. Look at the quote up on the screen. Surround yourself with people who see your value and remind you of it. Number five. You want to live a purpose-driven life and be about the business of the Father? Connect with the faith in you, not the fear around you. You know why some people don't release 
their God-given gift and live in the purposes of God and live a life doing the business of God because they're afraid. They're scared. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Say those three words, a spirit of fear. See, fear is a spirit and faith is a spirit. And if you're going to live a life doing God's business, you have got to conquer the fears within you and live by faith. It's a spirit and it's called the spirit of faith. Well, Pastor Scott, I'm afraid too. Exactly. That's exactly what the enemy wants. He wants to cause you to live in fear, and you're surrounded with fear, and people that live the purpose-driven life, people that live their life doing God's business are people that have conquered the spirit of fear. So I want to ask you today, what is the fear that's surrounding you today? What is the fear that is crippling you today? What is the fear that is, that is keeping you from releasing the gift of God that's in you? And whatever that fear is, face that fear with faith and be bold and don't allow fear to immobilize you in 2024. Live by faith. Just shall live, how? By faith, not by fear. Romans chapter 12, verse 21, do not overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Live by faith. I like this quote by uh, Babe Ruth. How many baseball fans? Babe Ruth, never let the fear of striking out keep you from playing the game. You know that Babe Ruth had more strikeouts than he did home runs? For every home run, he had two strikeouts. But he didn't allow fear to dominate him. He was okay with striking out. How many know it's okay to strike out? How many ever struck, struck out? Yeah, we all do. You don't live in striking out. You live by the home run. You live by not being dominated by fear. Fear is a powerful force. It's a spirit. It's a bad spirit. It will keep you and your gift on the fireplace mantle Living a life of insignificance, living a life that doesn't matter because you've allowed fear to control you. Afraid of dying? Afraid of running out of money? You're afraid of man? You're afraid of striking out? What are you afraid of? Whatever you're afraid of, the best way to defeat it is to do the very thing you fear. How many are still with me? Dale Carnegie says, do, do the thing you fear. Do it. And keep on doing it. That's the quickest and surest way to ever yet discover the way to conquer fear. Just do it. Number six. And it's the last one. Connect with action to release your purpose to the world. Everyone say action. Ephesians chapter 2, we are God's workmen's. We are God's handiwork. That word there means poem. God created you. He wrote you. You're a beautiful poem. You were created in Christ Jesus to do what? 
good works. That's called action. Release it. Don't just talk about it. When I bump into you in the hallway next week, and I ask you, are you releasing the gift of God in you? Don't say, I'm praying about it. A lot of people say they pray about things. They don't ever pray about them. They don't. You know what I try to do? I don't do it all the time, but what I try to do is I never try to say, I'm praying for you. You know what I do? I just say, let's pray. Because guess what? I'm going to get home. I'm going to get home today. If you tell me something's going on and you want me to, to pray about it, I'm going to go home today and watch football. I may forget your greatest need. So a good habit is when someone tells you something to pray for, don't say, I'll pray for you. Just pray for them right then. Let's pray right now. Lord, heal Gary. In Jesus' name, amen. See, that's action. It's putting things to action. Don't tell your friends on Facebook you're going to pray for them. Lord knows we don't pray for them many times. Action. Let's put some action into it. Look what Leonardo da Vinci says. I love this one. Iron rust from disuse. Water loses its purity from stagnation. Even so does inaction sap the vigor of the mind. I like that. Iron rust from disuse. Water loses its purity from stagnation. Even so, inaction sap the vigor of the mind. Is, is, Is Robbie Purden here today? Robbie Purden? Robbie's a member of this church. I found out this week, and I got so excited when I heard this. Um, Peggy Myers told me. Robbie Purden has a a gift of exhortation, a gift of encouragement, a gift of just making people feel better about themselves. I don't know how old she is. But say she's 80. She has a purpose for living. She's got a reason for living. She should be, like you, about the business of doing God's work here on earth. You know what Robbie Purton does every month? She writes up to 25 to 30 letters and cards, and she sends it to our our at-home congregation in this church. People who are no longer able to come to church. People who are no longer able to get in the car and come to church. We have dozens of them. And Robbie Purton wakes up every morning and says, God, I I can't do much, but I can do something. And she gets out a pen and a card and a piece of paper, and she writes 30 letters and notes every single month. When I heard that, my heart leapt. I thought, man, that's where I want to be. You guys remember my dad. My dad was 84 years old, and he was still preaching. He was here for many years. He always said, and I I do agree, he said this was the best church he he ever was a part of. He loved this church. He was here during a dark time. Thank God for his work. But he he was 84 years old, and he preached until he was 84 years old. You know, he went to Geneva. You guys don't know this. Dad, forgive me for paddling on you on this one. His last sermon... He took a, his folder to the pulpit, and he got in front of the people of Geneva and discovered that he brought his IRS taxes folder <laughs> instead of his sermon. That was his last 
sermon he preached. See, he didn't live a life of just sticking his gift on a fireplace mantle. He lived a life that had action behind it. Can't do much, but I can do something. There's things around this church you can do. There's things in other charities and nonprofits. There's things in your neighborhood you can do. I'm not trying to get you to do everything here at the church, but there's got to be something you can do. Whatever your age, be, be, be found doing the business of God. Drew, can you come up to the, um, the guitar and play a good purpose song? Here's my favorite scripture in the whole Bible. I'm getting ready to give it to you. Acts 13.36. There it is on the screen. And when David had served God's purposes in his own generation, he fell asleep and he was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. Hang on now. Some of you look at me going, man, pretty, pretty morbid, Pastor Scott. David served God's purpose in his generation. He woke up every morning saying, can't do everything, but I can do something. He woke up every morning saying, I'm going to be about my father's business. I'm not going to the grave with the gift of God in me. I'm going to release the gift of God, whatever it is, Herb, to the world. Every time I see you, what do I say? How's your singing? Are you, are you singing songs? Are you writing songs? Are you worshiping? Don't I? Every time. Why? Because I want that gift that's in you to be released to the world. David served God's purpose in his generation. Now watch this. When he died, his body decayed, but his gift lived on. See, when Robbie Purton, when she writes those letters, one day she's going to go. But that gift of encouragement is going to be in someone's box. It's going to be in someone's Bible. See, the gift that God has given you is never going to die. It's going to live on and on. It's called the ripple effect. What a joy we have as believers to ask the question to people around us, don't you know? I've got to be about my father's business. Life is short. No guarantees of tomorrow. Don't you know that I've got to live a life of purpose and make this world brighter? Well, this is how we're going to end today. I know you're dying to get out of here and go have lunch. I know you're dying. To go home and watch the football. And I don't blame you. I'm going to do the same thing. But you're going to leave today going forward before you go backwards. What do I mean by that? We've got two posters over to my left and to your right. We're going to hang these on the church walls here this week. And before you leave, I want you to come forward and I just simply want you to Sign your name to this poster. God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live a life that seeks you. I'm going to live a life in 2024 that 
is searching for you. I'm looking for you. I'm hungry for you. I want more of you. I'm searching for you. And God, I want to be about my father's business. So what I want you to do before you head out this morning is I just want you to come up here. You may have to wait just a few minutes. I want you to sign one of these posters as a sign of your commitment that in 2024, you're going to live like Jesus and you're going to release the gift of God that's in you and you're going to live a purpose-driven life. Let's pray. Father, we know that most men and women live, live quiet lives of desperation and then they go to the grave with a song in their heart. God, help us as we approach a brand new year to be purpose-driven, doing your business, knowing why we're here, what on earth we're here for, and releasing that to the world. God, we come against fear that would cripple us and immobilize us and shame us. We release a spirit of faith in this church. In 2024, we're going to be about our Father's business. We're going to live a life that honors you for your glory. We're going to release the gift of God that's in us to the world. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, go and release your gift to the world. Come forward and sign the poster and you're dismissed. God bless you. We'll see you next week.